Greetings, this is Denise and I bring you a huge love hug from the city known as the Bay of the Holy Spirit, Tampa in the Sunshine State of Florida. I am grateful to our Father for our time together with Him and with you for voices. How great is it to experience our God-defined moment? We know that every moment is designed by our Heavenly Father, but there are moments when our Father demonstrates His power in a I am here right now in this very moment way in the lives of those who believe in Him and for the benefit of those who do not. We know from Second Chronicles chapter 16, 9a and Psalm 68, 28, that daily we have an opportunity to minister in the marketplace to show people the power of God who always desires to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of attending a local conference on a subject that held my interest and felt compelled to go. As the attendees were entering the first few seconds of our 15-minute session break, I turned from what I was doing and moved toward a small circle of people who had gathered around this one person seated in a chair in their midst. This person was clearly in a moment of distress that seemed to be nearing crisis as they deeply wept. It appeared this classmate had received some unfavorable, life-changing, life-affecting information, and this news was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. It was just too much. Others, turning around in the group and noticing I was now among them, turned to me and demanded, You're a Christian. Do something. I was already in prayer mode as I approached the gathering, yet this remark struck my inner being as strange, obtuse, and out of order. It just seemed an odd thing, maybe even a perplexing thing, for someone to say. Liken it to the possessed damsel in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 17, rather than a cry for help. It was one of those things you hear, it, but just seemed strangely misplaced in that moment. It was more of a taunting than a declaration and recognition of godly character. Although the comment caught my attention, it did not distract me from responding to what I was hearing from the Holy Spirit. Focused and purposed, I continued to move toward uh, where the Spirit was leading me. My brain was recording all the external stimuli and sounds from the small crowd around the distressed one, but the Holy Spirit helped me to remain focused. I remember thinking, what is happening here that is causing this person distress? Are they physically hurt? Did they faint? Why are all of you just standing around in stunned silence? Why don't you step back and give them some space so they can get some air? And oh, by the way, what did they mean you're a Christian do something? Throughout our several session break conversations, many of these same people have shared their profession of their faith and salvation through Jesus Christ. Yet it seems as though they were looking to me to go into some type of superhero whirlwind transformation and emerge with a sudden burst of incredible power, a solution to this problem, and oh, by the way, throw in a costume change. The Holy Spirit kept encouraging me, Denise, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God 
and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In this moment, the only thought that mattered was to align my heart with the will of God so that he could show himself, demonstrate his power to his people in this moment. Focus, Denise. The Holy Spirit reminded me of scripture in Zechariah 4, 6 and 7. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. The Holy Spirit reminded me that what God does is not by any man's abilities or desires, but by his power moving through his willing vessel. Steadily moving through this small group toward the person in the middle of it and praying to the Heavenly Father all the way, the Holy Spirit said to me, Tell them to pray. Tell them, you who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, all of you pray. Steadily, I repeated aloud commanding them to do what I heard God's Holy Spirit say. It was as if I was telling them to dial 911, our emergency number for help. And indeed, many of them began to spiritually dial that number in prayer, but some were not. Now it is interesting what one can see while moving in the holy wind of God, but without being distracted from steadily moving forward and what I knew the Lord wanted me to do, after I spoke these words aloud to them, I saw many of those who professed their salvation to the Lord backing away, as did the disciples to Jesus in John chapter 6, verses 61 through 66. And just a short portion of that, it says, And Jesus asked, Does this offend you? Back to the testimony. Unfazed by their reaction and staying in prayer mode, steadily moving in, I asked the person what was burdening their heart. After sharing with me to the extent they were able to speak, I then asked if I could pray with them. And in the, and in the spirit realm, I could hear the group uh, of people say, what? In public? Oh, no, you didn't. To which I responded in the spirit, oh, yes, I did and am. Then we who believe in Jesus Christ began to pray. As I knew the Father would, by his Spirit, he began to disclose some things to me concerning this person, things that only the person and the Father knew. But the Father permitted me to reveal these things and to speak a word in due season to edify and encourage them in their ear. So hearing from the Father, I leaned in close and spoke what I heard the Father say into their ear. I remember that this person looked at me in utter, how did you know, combined with a deep from the heart gratitude and peace look of amazement. I responded to this reaction aloud and in the hearing of the crowd, I said, to God be the glory. Our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of and has already provided the solution before we even know the problem. By your faith, you trust him because he supplies our need according to his riches and glory through Jesus Christ. God has heard your cry, my friend, and he will bring it to pass. The rest of the conference was very different from that point forward. 
Many times we may think we are in a place for one reason, one reason, usually our own, but our Heavenly Father has a different plan. And I am convinced this one moment was the primary purpose for which God compelled me to go to this conference. It was not about the conference, but about what God wanted to do through me at the conference. I have a couple of days, I've had a couple of days to process this event. And in real time, this happened with much more rapidity than even the time it has taken for me to tell you. But if you will allow me a few moments to share some lessons I learned and refreshers for me from this, I would like to share the following. A defining moment. We may see these as moments of establishing who we are, our character, our behavior, our trust in God. But I submit to you that these are attributes that should be a routine part of who we are. Our identity, our purpose, and our authority is our life. And he has already defined our life before the foundation of the world. While we were yet an unformed substance in our mother's womb, our days, our life, his plan for our life was already designed and defined. A defining moment is when we honor him with the life that is the identity, purpose, and authority he has designed and defined for each of us. At that appropriate time, he calls on us to be used to demonstrate his power and his love so others may see him in and through us. Another thing was the statement, you're a Christian, do something. As I've had time to reflect on this whole encounter, I find this part somewhat humorous now in that when we know who we are in Jesus Christ, when we know our identity, we do not move by what we hear others say. We move led by God's Holy Spirit to do the will of God. Their declaration of my being a Christian is truth, but the command from them to do something is not their authority. I was led by the Holy Spirit of God to go over to where all of this was happening. And as I was moving toward this person, yes, as a Christian, but more because I am a son of God being led by the Holy Spirit to go. And because I was praying as I was going to the place where God wanted me to be with this distressed one, I was also hearing instruction from the Lord for what he wanted done when I arrived. He wanted to demonstrate himself to those standing around and to demonstrate his love and compassion to restore the person who was in distress. A third thing, reacting and responding. The difference in reacting and responding is faith in God and his word. When we are faithless, we react out of fear or flesh. But when we are faithful, that is full of faith, that which has been spoken at the right hand of the throne of God, we are able to respond in a way that God wants. And finally, pray and believe God. We are to pray and believe without ceasing. Pray when we are at home and still and pray when we are in the marketplace on the move. Spending time in prayer, minutes or hours in prayer every day builds our faith, that is true, but it also strengthens God's trust in us. 
while there are times that the Father will show us in advance what lies ahead for the day, there are also times when he tests our faith and obedience through an in-the-moment, on-the-spot demonstration of his love, his power, and his will. God is sovereign. He does whatever he pleases. Wherever Jesus went, was present, or had just left, he healed, restored, and spoke life. Jesus answers, or Jesus appears to have always been in prayer or worship before a powerful encounter with the people. In truth, there are several places recorded in the book of Luke where healing and restoration occurred, and it seems that in most of these encounters, Jesus had just come from a time of prayer. I would like to encourage you to take a look at Luke chapter 5, verses 16, 15 through 17. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. These are just a few of the chapters in the book of Luke that speak of uh, Jesus' healing and his daily activities. The point I make to us is this, that Jesus is the Son of God, and we are called to be sons of God. John 1, 12-13 tells us we who believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God have the ability to be like him. Christians, yes, but much more. We are sons of God born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God because Jesus Christ gave his then disciples the authority to be vessels through whom God heals and restores Luke chapters 9 and 10 and even us as his disciples today John 17 20 through 21 his authority to be vessels through whom God heals and restores we have the ability to move about the land about the marketplace as led by God's Holy Spirit to heal and restore. Allow me a few moments to encourage us that we are living in a time where we must be one with the Father, asking him to enable us with a keen sensitivity to his Holy Spirit to distinguish between good and evil, to discern the hearts of men, and to be able to detect demonic and angelic activity. Most important, let us pray and believe God will give his wisdom to us what to do with what we discern. I am praying and believing our Father for you. I know you are doing the same for me. And in the name of Jesus, I speak his great grace to you, that you may abound in your faith and in all the work he has prepared and is accomplishing through you. Amen. Amen and Amen.